Hi there, this is Georgia Kimmy, and welcome to my podcast, Piney Woods Justice. I'm a practicing lawyer in East Texas near the Louisiana border, halfway between Houston and Dallas. I practice criminal defense and family law, CPS cases. I also work for a district judge coordinating his drug court program. So a little bit of this and that. I try to bring you stories of people in recovery, stories of triumph. I bring you stories from attorneys who can share some of the things that they go through in their career. And today's episode is with Sean Hightower. He is a practicing criminal defense attorney in Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches is a small college town that hosts Stephen F. Austin State University. Sean brings to us one of his most memorable murder cases that he worked on and a surprise ending. And I know you'll just love him. He won the Texas Super Lawyers Award. So here we go with Sean. Hi, I'm here this afternoon with Sean Hightower of Nacogdoches, Texas, one of the premier criminal defense lawyers of this county. And he's got some stories to share with us. So first of all, we'll start out, Sean, how did you get here? Well, I grew up in Paris, Texas. When I was in high school, I worked for an attorney who um, pointed me to the the way of the debate team. So I got on the debate team in high school, did fairly well at that. And then um, I'd won the state championship and SFA at the time had a pretty prolific debate team. So the college coach was at the state debate tournament. He'd offered me a scholarship to come to SFA. That's really how I came here. I got a scholarship from that state debate tournament. They paid for the first three years of school. Wow. Got a full ride on that. My parents wouldn't let me turn that down. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, so I came here, and while I was doing that, I started working for Tim, my law partner now. But I was 17 when I came here, and he had me doing grunt work, driving people, picking people up, hustling cases you know, on campus, passing out koozies. And y'all made a good team, huh? Made a good team, yeah. We, we um, did a lot of work back then. I used to, he would print out beer koozies. Um, I'd go to the tailgate and I'd find my friends, female friends, have them dress, you know, appropriately and hand out beer koozies for us with our logo on it and, you know, drum up clients to come here. There you go. Did you get any uh, business that way? We got quite a bit. Yeah, we used to give like 10% (laughs) off if you came in with one of our koozies. Oh my gosh. We we used to, yeah, we hit them hard with all the fraternities and sororities at tailgate. I bet. Well, so where did you go to law school? Went to law school at Texas A&M. I was actually in the first graduating class of Texas A&M, so they I got in when they were Wesleyan. Probably couldn't get in now. The, the requirements are a lot higher now. Uh, got in at Wesleyan. They became A&M my second year, and then their first official graduating class was December 2013, and that's the year I graduated. Oh. So I'm, I, I, my, went, I went to South Texas, and at that time, um, this was 10, 11 years ago, they were talking about partnering with A&M, yeah. and they had something going on. Yeah. And I guess we, yeah. didn't work out. Didn't huh? work out, but worked out great for me. You know, Wesleyan's a great school, but, you know, A&M to have the, the notoriety and the alumni network it, it is really great. And I think yeah. they've gone up to number 44 in the country is in their ranking, and most of the professors that are there are the same ones that were there at Wesleyan. It's just the money and the name behind it that they really drove it. Oh, yeah, you hear A&M, and you get a lot of respect. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, how has it been uh, now that you're a <clears throat> lawyer as opposed to a debate student or yeah. helper around? Well, Nacogdoches is a weird place. I tell all my friends from law school, it's land of milk and honey. I mean, this town, you've got 15,000 college students, and their spouses or girlfriends and boyfriends shacking up with them. 
you've got 60,000 county residents, um, and we've only got like five full-time criminal defense lawyers, and I'm partners with one of them. So there, there's not a lot of competition. Um, you, you have very few people doing criminal defense, and you've got a lot of business with the college here. You know, you just you don't have to hustle, I don't think, as much as you would in Dallas or Fort Worth or, or Houston where you've got 5,000 lawyers you're competing against. So we're really busy. Um, we see a lot of work here. Uh, we travel, you know, we tra- we actually don't travel just too much, but every county that touches this county we will go to, but we have enough business here to stay full-time. Um, it's also a great lifestyle for me. We only work 8 to 3-ish, you know, we get here 8.30 to 3-ish. We don't have court on Fridays most of the time in East Texas. Some of these counties, like San Augustine, you don't have court when the bass are biting or when the when it's deer season, <laughs> you don't have court at all. It's really flexible. My wife is from Japan, and so we go home to see her her family in the summer. And I can only do that here because the college kids aren't in town, and so the dockets, we wouldn't have enough defendants to justify having a docket. So we don't really have a lot of jury, we don't have jury trials, and we don't have a lot of dockets in general in the summers. Um, in Nacogdoche, so I'm able to travel a lot during those two months, and I can tell one judge I'm going to be gone, and he just won't set me, so wow. it, it makes it really easy to do that. Yeah, that's a perk, going around the school schedule. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> yeah, because if you called a jury, you know, a jury pool here, if you're losing 15,000 college kids, you, you've lost a substantial amount of your of those that would actually show up, so lately have not been having any jury trials because of COVID, but prior to that, just in general, we wouldn't see a lot in the summer anyway. Well, what would you say are the uh, majority of the kinds of cases that you have? Here, 50% of my business is first-time DWIs. Um, that's mm-hmm. college students, their first offense. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of you know, misdemeanor drug cases, marijuana cases, Adderall cases. They're, all the kids are trading their scripts on campus. I see a lot of that, a lot of first-time offenders. The other 50% is probably more violent assault cases, mm-hmm. a lot of meth cases, of course, because it's East Texas. Uh, Tim and I do a federal practice as well, so we see a healthy number, you know, maybe 20 federal cases a year between the two of us. For East Texas, that, that's probably a lot, just, you know, that's a traveling to Beaumont, so that gets a little tiring driving four hours, three hours there, three hours back for a 10-minute hearing, but mm-hmm. those pay well, so. That is a lot, of, that is yeah. a lot of federal cases for out here. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have some that kind of stick out in your mind, some memorable cases that you want to share with us? Sure, yeah, we uh, we talked about this one earlier, but you know, one of the first murder cases I ever tried, um, she had actually hired Tim when I was an undergrad. So I remembered her when I used to work here as, a, as the gopher. She had killed her husband, and really her husband had, you know, beaten her and, and had done all these things for years. And one night she had enough, she kicked him out, he ends up going to the, she's t- packing up all of her stuff, going to the Suburban, putting all of her stuff in the Suburban. He comes out with a can of gasoline and douses the Suburban with all of her stuff in the gasoline. Oh my God. Throws some on her and she shoots and kills him. Whoa. Yeah, and just, and <laughs> a little twenty-two pistol, shot him one time right in the eye and oh. just dropped him dead. Now he oh. himself had been to prison for murder. He had been to, pr- he, was, he had gotten out of prison and was off parole. I mean, he he had been in prison a long time himself and had gotten out. He was just notorious in that little county up there. Oh this is gosh. in uh, Panola County, where the, where the movie Bernie originates from. So yeah, okay, uh-huh. Actually, I think the Bernie murder happened like two months before <laughs> uh, this this lady's murder. Wow. So that like going on up there. <laughs> yeah. The weirdest thing though, that case did not go to trial until after 
I became a lawyer, so she hired us when I was like 17. Oh. I became a lawyer at 23 or 24. And then I think that case went to trial when I was like 25 or 26. That was my first murder case. Oh my gosh. Why? Why did it take so long? Danny Buck. Uh, the <laughs> DA there, you know, East Texas is different, I think, than a lot of places. Houston or Dallas, federal court, the judges control the docket. In East Texas, a lot of the prosecutors control their own docket. So they set their own cases. In that case, Danny Buck had assured us that he believed it was self-defense. Although she had been indicted, he was never going to try that case. And actually, I have letters from him that he wrote me saying, please stop sending me letters. I'm going to dismiss that case. Oh. And the plan the entire time was Danny Buck was going to retire. Danny Buck is the longest serving DA in East Texas. And he said when he retired, he would dismiss that case. But he apparently has, is he's still the DA. So <laughs> he never fun. retired. He never retired. So we had to try that case. Oh. That was a, it was a terrible trial. Uh, we had such a, we had worked on that case my whole basic life. And uh, we had such a good argument. I mean, she was a battered woman. She was doused with gasoline. But we got hometown really bad to the point that the appeals court agreed with us that we got hometown. Uh, we show up for trial. We had gotten notice, um, like on a Thursday, that we were set for a jury selection on Monday. And we had, you know, obviously that was an ex parte communication between somebody to say. Oh, you had no notice. No notice. And, you know, you're on Thursday and they're telling you you're going to pick a jury the following Monday for a murder case. Again, this is a case that we weren't even expecting to try. We thought it was going to be dismissed. So we, uh, you know, load up, run to St. Augustine and or pounding courthouse doors to, to have a hearing of some kind. We actually get Judge DeVasto from the 12th Court. She had retired from the 12th Court of Appeals at the time, and she was assigned by the administrative judge to come in and hear that ex parte motion. She agreed that the DA, or the, the assistant DA, Katie Nielsen, had ex parte uh, the judge, Danny Buck, and issued an order and, and disqualified uh, Judge Bailey. What's weird in that county, Judge Bailey is the county court at law judge, but he tries or he hears murder cases because he has felony jurisdiction. Wow, so that's yeah. his specialty, Yeah, huh? <laughs> and the weird part of that case, and this is another area that he should have been recused on, the judge's daughter was engaged to my dead client, or so to Debbie's husband's son. Oh. So, he, I mean, his daughter, they had the marriage had fallen through and they didn't actually get married, but at one point... The deceased son was married or was engaged to be married to the judge's daughter. Family and ties. Family ties. But the judge, <laughs> wow. did, yeah, the judge actually refused to recuse himself based on that relationship. He didn't think it was close enough. Uh, Devasto didn't get to that point because she had already determined they had an ex parte rela- uh, ex parte communication. Crazy. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, we we rock along. We try that case, Valentine's Day. I remember murder case, husband and wife murder, and we tried first day was Valentine. During the trial, there was one witness to the murder, a lady named Vernetta. Vernetta had told story A to the police, and that's a story that for a decade we had believed because that's the only thing we ever had. We show up to court, and Vernetta had been subpoenaed, and she shows up from Ohio and gives a completely different version of events. And the prosecutor had blown up a map that Vernetta had drawn her. We, of course, had no no evidence of that map, had never heard this different version, and did not get a copy of that map. We raised the appropriate amount of hell that you would raise. The judge limited out most of that testimony, but the jury had already heard it, 
so the damage had already been done. You can't erase it from your mind. Can't erase <laughs> it. And, you know, the judge obviously knew something was wrong, but, you know, she... It was kind of a, a hard one on us. We could have asked for a mistrial, and I think the judge would have granted it. The problem is, had we asked for a mistrial, we would have tried it with that new information that was damning that was not helpful to us. We intentionally chose not to ask for a mistrial based on that. We still had the evidence of self-defense and the arson. Um, and in Texas, you actually have... So you have a right to protect yourself or property in the event of arson. So there is a jury instruction you can give for arson. We had requested it, and the judge denied our request for that arson instruction. Oh. And then sentenced Debbie to 40 years to do in TDC. Oh, my goodness. So it was kind of a, you know, it was a heartbreaking loss right then. But very quickly, we appealed that case. Uh, Jason Castle was the appellate attorney on that case. It goes to, Diane DeVasso was on the 12th court, which is out of Tyler. So that's normally where that appeal would have gone. But because she was the trial judge and had just left the 12th court, they moved the appeal to the Texarkana court. Wow, all these exceptions yeah. with the judges. I'm yeah, <laughs> a lot of relationships <laughs> in East Texas. So it goes to the 6th court of appeals in Texarkana. And they also, to their credit, very quickly, within a matter of a month or two, overturned that conviction and sent it back, saying, you know, there was obviously prosecutorial misconduct. There had been some some stuff withheld. And two, that jury instruction should have been given for um, arson. So they did punish the judge, too, that, yes, you should have given the jury instruction on the arson defense. So when that happened, they actually rendered, and she was found not guilty and let go. And she's free on the streets today, walking the streets. Oh, my gosh. And it gets better, you know, (laughs) because... When you get beat, it's one thing, but when you get beat because someone cheats, you always like to get your pound of flesh. <laughs> so once they determined that Katie had essentially lied and held, withheld evidence, the DA, to his credit, he did fire her. There was a, a Bar Journal article about it, and it's been in the newspaper, but um, and I think she's going through a grievance right now, and you know, mm. rightfully so. But she had had another case um, out of the same court, I think, that she had withheld evidence on. Oh, my gosh. So... That one stands out the most because it was the most legally complicated, the longest, and probably the most draining. You know, those murder cases, they just take your life away. I mean, they're... They're exhausting. Exhausting. They're practice killers. I mean, that's all you can do. You know, we've got a big office here. We've got a lot of staff, so we're trying to hustle cases in the door and try this murder case. It it got overwhelming pretty quick. That's amazing. The (laughs) Court of Appeals identified that so quickly. It usually takes a year before they even look at it. Yeah, so... I think, well, we kind of lucked out just in location, too, because it was Texarkana Court Intermediate Appeal, so they were, they're not as busy as the Houston docket or the Dallas or Fort Worth docket, so that's another benefit of East Texas, that these appeals are a little quicker. Tyler Court seems to sometimes be quicker, just because the dockets aren't as crammed as the one in Houston. That's true. That's true. Well, is there, is there anything unusual that you uh, get from your clients here oh, in yeah. East Texas? You might not get in Houston or Dallas. Yeah, um, I, yeah I was shared on Facebook the other day. A client of mine brought me three chickens as a tip. <laughs> it's a weird place. We, we do a lot of business with the Hispanic community here. I've got several ladies mm-hmm. on my staff that are very active in the Hispanic community. They, they're members of it. They speak Spanish. In the Hispanic community, a lot of the grandmothers are very involved with their grandchildren and children's lives. And normally we know when grandma comes in, one, she's paying the bill because it's all in cash <laughs> in her purse. Right. Uh, but they also like to tip. So if, if they appreciate the job you do, we get a lot of food. I get cakes. I get tamales. Nice. But yeah, we had a client that we had done some, some work for, and she was very impressed with it. He ended up, now he, he's a citizen now, so we're able to help him get a citizenship. So she brought me three chickens. 
to thank me for for all the work we had done. Can you keep them? Where do you put them? Well, yeah. I gave them one of our uh, <laughs> ladies here at the office raises chickens, so she has them, and so she'll. They're our office chickens, so she'll bring <laughs> eggs to us. Yeah, I've I've had weird. I've traded legal services for cows and goats. I've gotten a load of cows before. And just oh took my them, gosh! <laughs> took them to the sale barn, traded a a lawyer actually for a pickup. Um, he needed to unload a case or two, so we took him and he tra- he gave us a nineteen. 41 Ford pickup that we remodeled and that pickup I traded another client he painted it for me <laughs> and another client chromed the engine for me so total the pickup I think we sold it for about 50000 I had maybe 10000 in it of actual money wow and all the rest was you know client trading yeah it's a it's a weird place that you, know, you have to be creative I've, Tim's taking tractors you know we it all sells here we just stick it on the in the parking lot put a for sale sign on it and somebody will come by and take it Oh, well, you're in a good spot here. Yeah, great, you know? yeah, great spot. I, yeah, <laughs> Corner sold, of Main Street and North Street. Yeah, right across from the courthouse. So. Best part about this location, I can see when the prosecutor's there because I can see where they all park. Oh. So when they lie to me and say, oh, he's not here today, well, that's weird. His car's <laughs> parked right over there and has a signed parking place. So, so I can stay on him pretty well here. Can't get away with playing hooky, huh? No, not here. <laughs> oh, well, how do you see your future here well, in Nacogdoches? I intend to just stay right where I'm at. I mean, there's, you know, don't don't look a gift horse in the mouth. I, I ran for the hospital board, so I'm on the hospital board here at Memorial Hospital, and so I'm the director of Memorial Hospital. Nice community service, but it, it's actually been great. I've kind of learned a new area of the law, uh, healthcare law, and Medicaid, Medicare, pretty complicated. So I'm I'm getting more into that. I'm liking that. I'm actually uh, getting my LLM online in healthcare administration. Okay. in healthcare law. Hopefully can develop more of that kind of practice, represent some doctors and some Medicaid fraud or something. There's big money wow. to be made there. There you go. But other than that, I mean, I, I don't, in, I'm a Democrat, so I don't intend to win any <laughs> any election anytime soon in East Texas. So I, I think we have a good practice. My law partner is 77, so, Ooh. you know, probably going to retire at some point. His mother's 102, so probably at 100 he'll retire, but he could last another, what, 24 years? Yeah, you never know. Here, yeah, never know. He may outlast me. But that's my plan. Stay right here. Keep working. I love it. I love East Texas. I love Nacogdoches. It's, people think I'm weird, but I just I have a lot better quality of life, I think, here than I would anywhere else. I can travel. I can go home at 3 not be a problem. I'm a phone call away. I live yeah, three minutes great. from the office. And how about your uh, relationship with the college campus and the oh, students? Good relationship there. I was the 2020 Outstanding Young Alum at SFA. Mm-hmm. So I got an award for doing that. I'm pretty active on campus. I go pretty often to talk to classes. and I like having the college here. It brings some diversity to town. And East Texas, we're actually a fairly liberal town. Uh, Nacogdoches voted, I think, 52% for Biden. The city limits of, of Nacogdoches. The county, of course, different, but... Right. Um, we're a little, we're, we're basically the Austin of East Texas. We're a little pocket of progressivism, I guess. So. As soon as you get outside of city limits, yeah, you see yeah. all the Trump signs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, then it stops. But yeah, Nacogdoches is booming too. You know, in the last five years, we've got a winery, a brewery. We have two wineries now. You have the brewery, the distillery, you've got the hotel coming. We're making an entertainment district downtown. We've just opened a cigar lounge. So it's a, it's a neat little town to be from. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. It's yeah. like you've got your future all mapped out. Yeah, just staying right here. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you a bit. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your time this afternoon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for talking to me. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed meeting Sean. And if you are in the Nacogdoches area and have some criminal trouble that you need help with, 
His number is 936-560-3300. He has his office with Tim James at the corner of North Street and Main, directly across the street from the courthouse. So, until next time, stay out of trouble!